0: God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank God that we're no longer slaves to fear. I didn't say it this morning. I think I said at one of the services at Telequal, why wouldn't we want to be a people of prayer? Because in Mark chapter 4, I believe it's in verse 34. The disciples and Jesus was on a boat, and they was out in the middle of the water. And my Bible says the same thing your Bible says. A great windstorm arose. Where was Jesus? He was asleep in the bow of the boat. And when they went down and called upon Him after the great windstorm had arose... After they called upon him, the one I call the master of the wind, he arose and he took care of the wind that arose. Why wouldn't we want to be a people of prayer? Because storms arise and when storms and wind arise, we need to call upon the one who will arise above the wind. Amen. Good stuff. How about that video, Thank God the American Preacher, Thank God he's not going to pray they become like us. You're going to ride 13 hours on a train, sit on a wooden floor in an unair conditioned building to praise and worship and pray to God? No wonder he said, I'm not going to pray you guys become like us. I'm going to pray we become like you. The Wisdom family back here. Is that all right? I just point you out. Ain't they a good looking bunch back there? You say, they're probably saying, why are you pointing me out? There's some things that I don't enjoy doing, but because I do them, I get to cross paths with people. Many of you know I'm not a fan of weddings. But I've done their son's far as i know they've been here ever since so i'm just telling you sometimes do what you don't want to do because even when you don't want to do it somehow some way god put you together now i like the camping with christ at the lake thought i was going to have to leave there and go do a wedding because a pastor got covid and they called upon me and i said i guess i done left that morning to do a funeral, and I thought I was going to leave that evening and do a wedding because the pastor got COVID, and I think it was just a test. I told him, yes, I'd be there, send me the address, send me the bride and groom's number. I'll be there. And the whole time I'm going, I don't want to go. And right as I was calling the bride's mother, I got a text, said, you're off the hook. We found another pastor. Enjoy the lake. But Brother Harold was telling me that a feller that I met last week at the Camping with Christ, a guy that just heard it, just showed up on the lake. Come to our service. I didn't realize it, but he was at the service this morning. And he told Harold, we'll be back next Sunday. Folks, when the church goes out and does things, Not necessarily things they like, but things the church and the pastors do. We have people come. When we go and do stuff, and I I, I got a couple of texts this week, where were you guys at last week? I said, we're down at the lake. We just decided to be like the rest of the world. Heck (laughs) with church, we're going to the lake. But, you know, Maybe another member was added to the body because of it. Don't even know if I'll get to Ephesians tonight. I'll try. Thursday, last Thursday, August 11th. Does that mean anything to you? Nine years. Nine years where was I at on August 11th nine years ago I was right up there in that class teaching a Sunday school class when Betty Compton opened the door with a blank look on her face and said Rob it's Kathy and when I got on the phone she said it's Ray they're loading him in the ambulance he's unconscious nine years ago Thursday doesn't seem like that long, does it? A lot of you don't know Ray, you didn't remember him, but I have to say he was the second best one in the family. I'd get in trouble for saying he was the best one in the family. You couldn't beat Ray. Let me tell you what happened. When Ray got saved, he got saved from the top of his head to the tip of his toe. And he'd been going down to R.J.'s barber shop in Telequal, And he let them two girls that cut hair know that he'd got saved. Does your barber know you're saved? His did. And his barber knew that his desire was to see her do the same. Somewhere about three years ago, she became my barber. Took her a while to tie the connect the dots. And one day she said, You're Ray Barnes' brother-in-law. He spoke about you. I said, I am. She said, He invited me and invited me to church. And I told him, I'll never be at church. I've invited her and I've invited her. She said, I'll never be at church. This morning, nine years, almost to the day when Ray passed away, don't think of his witness. Don't think of his prayers didn't make a difference. Because that lady that told me and told him that she'd never be in church, she was occupying 16 inches of a pew at Telequa campus at the 8 o'clock service. Amen. Folks, when you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world that the Bible called you to be, it's productive, it produces. And all God's people ought to be saying, Amen. So I just good stuff. My cup overflows. I still don't know what it looks like when his house becomes the house of prayer. I wasn't going to say anything, but I've been all afternoon on the phone. My wife said I got a little bossy with my wife. My mom said I got a little bossy with my wife. I probably did. But sometimes when you try to ask nicely, it don't get done. You with me, Susie? So when my mother told me I wasn't being real nice to my wife, I called the church secretary and I was just as bossy to her. Because when I left Telequo today, I'm going to tell you it's something pretty sweet. When you look at the clock and you think, I've got to get to prayer and you can't find a path out of the sanctuary for people on the floor praying. I mean, I looked and I thought, how am I going to get out of here? And then I seen the same thing here. But when I left Telequao, I'm thinking, Lord, I don't even know what a church When they understand my house shall be called a house of prayer. I'm driving. I just left people on their face. I was trying to weave my way through them to get to the truck. And man, I was so anxious to wonder what was happening back there, but coming over here to preach that message. And and on the way from there to here, I'm, I'm just looking up to heaven. I'm saying, Lord, I still don't even know what that looks like. And it reminded me of Bob Waitman. And Bob Waitman handed me a video one day. And I was trying to, as I was driving over here telling the Lord, I don't even know what that looks like. We have been so traditionalized and made church something that probably was never meant to be. Who in the world even knows what that looks like? And I began to think about that video that was one of the most powerful videos I ever watched in my life. And it was from the Brooklyn Tabernacle. which you he here this morning, Did you hear your pastor say, I'm going to Brooklyn. All I could think about when I was getting here, wondering what it looks like. I cheated in the parking lot, and I punched in Brooklyn Tabernacle before I ever walked in here. And they have a prayer meeting from noon to one on Tuesday. And they have a prayer meeting at six o'clock in Brooklyn, New York. I bet there's some pretty, pretty, I bet there's some people that are hurting and wounded. And when I come in here, all I could think is I've got to get to Brooklyn by noon Tuesday. All I could think of is I've got to get to Brooklyn for a six o'clock prayer meeting Tuesday night. So I got real bossy with my wife. She got overwhelmed trying to figure out which airport, what airplane. And I said, Wouldn't it be easier if Trey just hurry up and get his license? She said, a four-seater to New York, that's better than a four-door car to New York. Folks, you pray for me and Miss Donna. We're going to board a plane tomorrow at noon. And I'm going to go find out. I'm going to go find out what it looks like. For his house to be called a house of prayer. And I could have made all kinds of excuses. I mean, there's cattle need to be moved. There's this that needs to be done. There's that that needs to be done. But let me tell you, if I can put that off to go see what kind of bull business I need to be in, and I can put that off. Can't a guy just get on a plane and go to Brooklyn? Just to see what it's like when somebody really believes the house of God is to be called the house of prayer. You pray as we go to Brooklyn. And you pray as we feel like a fig tree in a grape vineyard. You heard that lately? That's what we're going to feel like, I'm sure, when we walk in to Brooklyn Tabernacle at a midday prayer service. I'm pretty sure we're going to feel like a fig tree when we walk into a 6 o'clock prayer meeting. In Brooklyn. I think they're going to know I'm not from New York. I was reluctant to say that, but I want you guys to pray and I want you to prepare to do whatever it takes to be a church that knows what it means when he says, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Don't you want to know what that looks like? And isn't it sad that we don't know what it looks like because we've been so traditionalized? So, my cup's been running over. I don't know about yours. I hope it is. You can turn to Ephesians. I'll go fast. You can turn to the book of Ephesians, and I believe we've made it to chapter 3. And I believe we have made it to verse 14. And I'd probably have you stand in honor tonight in the reverence of the reading of God's holy, inspired, infallible Word. We've been on the subject of prayer, and watch this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God bless the preaching of your word in our time of prayer together tonight as only you can. We ask it, we believe it in the name of Jesus and all God's people as they were seated said. I believe it was at Trey's house, maybe a week ago up and coming Tuesday, because of the camping with Christ and you folks bringing too much meat, ours didn't get cooked. So it was all thought out, so the family plans was we got to meet pretty quick this week and eat our hamburger meat that didn't get cooked at the camping with Christ. I thought, that's good. Let Trey cook it up. Let's go over there. Let's see, And we did. Well, old Truett, when it comes time to eat, old T.L., we always say, T.L., you want to pray? And sometimes he prays. And sometimes he looks up across and he says, Pastor Paul, you too. But this particular night, Truett, you want to pray? If it wasn't then, it was at some meal before then. And T.L. said yes. And I'm not sure he don't pray in tongues because he kind of mumbles. And whether it was then or at another meal, my mom makes the comment, I didn't hear him. being so sensitive and kind, I looked at my mother and said, he wasn't talking to you. See, when we pray, I was trying to listen to prayer requests. We need to hear them. But when people pray, they're not talking to us. We love to hear them pray. We love to hear a two-year-old bless a meal. Don't get me wrong. But the bottom line is, they're not talking to us. They're talking to God. We have come to Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 14, and we get to listen to what commentators say is probably the sweetest prayer in the New Testament besides the prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. We come to Ephesians 3.14 and we get to listen in. We get to read. We get to hear the prayer even though Paul's not talking to us. He's talking to God. We get to listen in on what commentators believe is possibly the sweetest prayer in the New Testament besides the prayers of our Lord Jesus Christ. If that be so, why would you occupy any more than the front six inches of your seat? Wouldn't you want to get up and listen to this prayer? We could learn something right at a time where God is moving and stirring us to be a church where this place is called a house of prayer. Might do us some good right here to see what that looks like. Are you ready for it? Can I point out the appreciation in this prayer? For this reason, I bow my knees. For what reason? Well, have you been here the last two Ephesian sermons? The reason is the mystery has been revealed. Paul is that special minister. And for this reason, I can just see Paul, a vessel chosen to go to the Gentiles for this reason. What could that reason be? That I am a saved, born again, child of God, and I am a tool that He has chosen. I was broken and undone without Him, and He fixed me, and now He's chose me to be a tool to go to others who are broken and undone, and He's chose me for this reason. I'm that special minister that goes to help fix broken people just like I was fixed. For this reason, I'm a tool in God's hand. I'm a chosen vessel for the Gentiles. For this reason, what else did we hear? Not only was there a special minister, there was a spectacular message. This message was unveiled by God. This has been kept in a secret all through the Old Testament. People wondering what this meant. And all of a sudden, God, through the prophets and the apostles, He unveils this mysterious message. And he says, finally, we get it. And for this reason, I'm bowing my heads because God revealed this message. He unveiled it for us. And listen, he is a Hebrew of Hebrews. He is a Jew. They didn't like Gentiles. And the Gentiles thought they never had a chance of escaping hell and making heaven because they was not Jews and they was not part of that family. And he says, for this reason I bow my knees. These people, these Jews and these Gentiles that didn't like each other, guess what? God is unifying them in His Son Jesus Christ. And for this reason, the racial barriers are being broke down. I'm bowing my knees. He's showing appreciation here. And remember, it's an encouraging message because we saw that Jesus, who is rich, become poor. That we who is poor might become rich. And He's all excited about that because He's got the riches of God's glory. And this is an encouraging message to them. And so, for that reason, He's on His knees now. It's an exciting message because the Gentiles thought they could never escape hell and make heaven, but now it's not by the law, it's by grace, and it's exciting. And listen, for that reason, they ought to be on their knees. And the Jews who've been trying to keep the law all this time and find out they was miserably failing. And one of them's this special minister, a tool in God's hand. He figured out everything that he was trying to do in the name of religion wasn't getting it done. And for this reason, I don't have to keep the law. I've got the grace of God. For this reason, I bow my knees. Can you see the appreciation? Remember that third point in them two sermons? Not only was there a special minister, a spectacular message, but there was a supernatural miracle. Here's a persecutor that's now a preacher. Here's a murderer who's now a missionary. Here's a guy that's dramatically and miraculously changed. He's a new creation in Christ. He is a supernatural miracle. Only God can do that in somebody's heart. And he's realizing, hey, I was a persecutor. I was a murderer, and God bestowed His grace and poured His grace and mercy about on me. He unveiled this thing, this mystery that's been hidden, and it's not by the law, and it's not just to one nation. It's to every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. And He just got so excited writing about it. He said, "I got to get on my knees, and I got to thank God. I got to let Him know I appreciate." it. Amen. Do you see it? Man, how do we sit here when we hear these songs? I trust that God's going to move us into the altars at the beginning of His service one of these days. Because when I listen to them songs, I sure think we ought to be there. Because them songs are nothing other than singing of the greatness and the forgiveness and the mercy of God. And Paul, when he's writing about that very stuff, he just says, for this reason, he's trying to write a book of the Bible. And he says, I've got to get on my knees. And I've got to just let God know how much I appreciate. Do you appreciate God tonight? Do you appreciate God tonight? You ought to just let Him know, thank you, Jesus. We appreciate you. It's not about the law. It's about grace. We as Gentiles appreciate you because we was grafted in through that grace. And man, we still thank you for the supernatural miracles that you perform all around us. I mean, we ought to just appreciate Him. But then I want you to see the acknowledgement in this prayer. He says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, listen to this, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. I just think Paul's still just having a hard time getting over how God put the Jews and the Gentiles, those in heaven and earth, when they come to him, we're one great big family. Isn't it something to be a part of the family of God? And he acknowledges that God is the only reason that we can be one great big family. Amen? But the acknowledgment in this prayer, for this reason, I bow my knees. You know when he was a religious man, you know he didn't bow his knees? Study the Scriptures. They prayed standing up. Because if you bowed down to somebody, you was admitting they was greater than you. And I don't know if you realize this about that religion stuff in the Bible. They didn't think anybody was greater than them. They'd have their chest puffed out. They'd pray long prayers. And they'd even think, I think I, think I read this in a book somewhere. They'd even thank God they wouldn't like the publican. Maybe I read that in the Bible. Now, here's a Jew that's been saved, born again, washed in the blood, that used to think there wasn't nobody even better than me. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like them. But he acknowledges something in his prayer after he appreciates God. For this reason, I bow my knees. He gets down on his knees saying, You are the great I am. There is nobody any greater than you. I'm submitting to you. I'm humbly bowing before you. Folks, whether we bow physically on our knees or bow in our heart of hearts, we better understand when we go to God in prayer, we're calling out to the great I am. There is none no greater than the God we pray to. And we need to submit to him and we need to humble ourselves before almighty God. I love that. And if you wasn't at the lake, you heard me say, when that translates in the the text that I preached, he was saying, I am the great I am. It is I, meaning it's the I am. That's what he said when he walked into the water. They said, oh, it's a ghost. And he said, fear not, it is I. In other words, when you look that up in the Greek, I loved how it was. Fear not, that's not really my language. It is I. That's not my language. I'm just an old country boy, Bob. And when I looked at the Greek, he said, cheer up, boys. I am here. Whoa! When he says I am, that means I am whatever you need me to be. You say you're thirsty. I am the living water. You say you're hungry, I am the bread of life. You say you're confused, I am the truth. You say you're lost, I am the way. You say you're dead, I am the life. I am the resurrection. And Paul just bows his knee, tell him how much he appreciates, and he acknowledges him as the great I am. There's nobody any greater. So in this sweetest prayer tucked away in the New Testament, we learn something. We ought to show appreciation in our prayer. We ought to acknowledge who He is in our prayer, whether it's bowing in our hearts or bowing physically because there's none greater than Him. And He is the great I Am, and He is I Am whatever you need. But thirdly, I want you to look at the appeal in this prayer. Now, when, when, I, when I was trying to literate this outline, I was pretty sure it would be appeal, but I, I, appeal is one of them words that us old, old people that ain't real smart, we just cipher well. We've got to make sure we're not off base. So I went ahead and asked Siri to give me the definition of appeal to make sure I was right on. And I was righter than I thought. Because the definition of appeal is... Listen to this. To make a serious or urgent request. I was righter than I thought. Because that's exactly what Paul's doing. He's making a very serious and a very urgent request. What's that request? Don't miss this. When his house is called a house of prayer, what's it look like? Don't miss this. That he would grant you. Paul didn't get on his knees and pray selfishly. When he hit his knees, he appreciated God, he acknowledged who he was, and he said, I'm praying for you, not me. I want you folks to know something. I I can almost feel the heart of the Apostle Paul right here. One Tuesday morning in an old Mack truck, I wasn't on the road to Damascus, I was on the road to Coffeyville. And I met Jesus and He changed my life. You with me? And ever since then, all I've ever wanted to do, Bob, is for all those around me to experience the same God that changed my life and has continued since that very day to work in my life daily. You with me? That's all I've ever wanted. Father, I just want the people to experience salvation like I experienced that day. I want people to experience salvation sanctification that's going on in my life every day to this day and this day forward, I just want people to experience what it's like to be a tool in the hand of God. Because listen, I was a broken piece. And listen, Marty Brock was a tool in God's hand that was sent my way. And listen, I am so glad that Marty Brock wanted me to experience the God that he experienced. And I'm so glad that he was a tool in his hand. And that's my heart. Every since that Tuesday morning, that's all I've ever wanted. I just want people to experience salvation sanctification and being a tool in the hand of God and I think that's exactly the heart of the apostle Paul right here he said I'm praying for you you know what if you miss that Paul's wanting them to experience what he's experienced now watch this watch this appeal he prays that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory in other words I'm praying for you And Him having enough isn't an issue. I love that. That He would grant you according to His riches and glory. Hey folks, uh, Cherokee Nation, the first 2,000 people, ranchers that sign up, they can get some drought relief. The first 2,000 that sign up with Cherokee Nation, I'm going to let you know, you can get some drought relief if you're a rancher. They've only got a million dollars, so 2,000 of you, The first 2,000, you can go get 500, but they run out at a million. So you get all these calls when Cherokee Nation says, we're going to help farmers, you better get down there, you better be in the first 2,000, because they only got a million. If you don't know where I'm going, you're fixing to get to shouting. Paul's saying, I'm going to pray to God. And it don't matter when you get there. He's not running out. He is rich in mercy and grace. He is rich in His glory. And let me just tell you something. I'm going to pray that He gives you something and He ain't running out. Woo! Ain't got to be in the first 2,000. Just got to go. And let me tell you, 500 ain't going to help much in the drought. I just let some of you ranchers know. But what He's given out, is going to help. And He ain't running out of it. I pray that He would grant you, according to His riches and glory, He ain't running out. Number one, He's praying for you and I to be conquering saints. Watch this. That He would grant you, according to His riches and glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man. The Apostle Paul knows something about the power of the Holy Spirit ruling and reigning in your life. And He is praying that other people that are living under their circumstances, having pity parties, He is praying that we would understand we've got the Holy Spirit of Almighty God, the same Spirit that raised the Son of God from the dead. He is living in you, and I don't want you to live under your circumstances, so I'm praying for you to understand the power that God has given to you. I'm convinced He just wanted people to understand Understand and experience what he had. Talk about power. Talk about power. A snake bites him while he's preaching. Let that happen nowadays. Oh, surely he's going to go down. Surely he's going to quit preaching. Get off of me. I've got some preaching to do. And he just continues to preach. Preach. Then he's preaching in a city and they stone him, some say almost to death, and I'm not convinced it wasn't to death because he took him a trip that it was unlawful for him to talk about to heaven. And when he got back from the dead, what I believe, or he woke up from being knocked out, let me tell you something, most Christians today, we got to stay out of there. He said, i got to get back in there. How do you do that? With the power of God living inside you by way of Holy Spirit. How many shipwrecks did this man go through? Shipwreck after shipwreck after shipwreck. I ain't getting on no ship again. He'd just crawl on another one because he understood the power of God. I'm convinced when Paul is praying this prayer, he understood when he got saved and he got the Holy Spirit. And by the way, the demons know Jesus and they know Paul. He's trying to tell people, quit living under the storms. Get up on top of them because you got the Holy Spirit that raised the Son of God from the dead living in you. When are we going to figure out that we're to be conquering saints. When are we going to figure out we don't come to mourn a corpse? We come to praise a resurrected Savior. And the same Spirit that raised him from the dead, Paul said, I'm praying you guys will understand that you can be conquering saints because of the same Spirit that's living in me that's taught me how to be plenty, plenty satisfied whether i got all kinds of food or no food, whether I'm preaching in a church house or a jail house, I just wish you guys would realize the power of God's in you, and wherever you're at, He's going to provide. He's going to be there with you. That's what He's wanting them to experience. He prays that we'd be conquering saints. But watch this. He also prays that we'd be consistent saints. Listen to this. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. When I say consistent saints... Remember that song I quoted this morning? When the church on Sunday can be the church on Monday too. He's saying it's not just about being in a building on Sunday. Jesus Christ lives in your heart. And you've got to be consistent. See, if Jesus Christ lives in your heart, I've heard people say about Mr. Consistency, whether that be a calf roper, whether that be a steer wrestler, Mr. Consistency, whether that be a ball player, man, he's just so consistent. He may not be great, but I mean, he's just going to—he just consistent day in and day out. Let me tell you who the real Mr. Consistency is. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I believe if there was ever a Mr. Consistency, it would be the one that the book we study and the book we read says is the same. This is consistent. Yesterday, today, and forever. And how come we're so inconsistent if Mr. Consistency is living in our hearts? Paul says, I just pray... That you'd be consistent saints. That you realize the Jesus that lives in your heart. You can't take him out and set him to the side. Remember when the Lord Lord moved on this pastor's heart after an evangelism conference. And I said, man, we'll go to Cherokee Heights. We'll go to our people. But who's going to the courthouses? And I remember just couldn't wait to get back to Pryor to go to the courthouses. Who, I, I was going to talk to the judges about Jesus. I was going to talk to the lawyers about Jesus. And I did. You know, we, we we just go to the 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 poor people. We go to the middle class people. But who goes to the... who? And I got so convicted and I went in there. And remember that one judge? You've heard me tell this story. He told me I'm a Christian. But then he began to tell me how he believed, believed in the separation of the church and state. And I'm not like all you educated people. I don't even know what that means. But I ciphered well enough to say, I don't know what that means. But here's what I think it means. You tell me. You say Christ lives in your heart. You're born again. Yes, sir. But you believe in separation of the church and state. So when you pull up here to this courthouse on Monday morning after being church on Sunday morning, when you get out of your car. Sir, do you just take Jesus out, set him on the steps, pick him back up when you come out? Is that what separation of church and state means? The judge was speechless. But let me tell you, that's what we do. We come to church. We want to go somewhere where we don't think He approves us. We just think we can just take Him out and sit Him here. I'm going to go in here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to eat that. I'm going to drink that. I'm going to tell this. I'm going to talk like this. I'm going to walk like this. And we just set Him out. That ain't how it works. Paul is saying, I pray that you understand that Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, dwells in your heart. There ain't no holy, unholy, holy, unholy. I'm praying that you consistently walk in holiness. Walk according to your calling in Christ Jesus. Do you see the appeal in this prayer? Pretty urgent, isn't it? I'm praying that you'll be conquering saints. praying that you'll be consistent saints. And I'm done. He prays that they'll be comprehending saints. And this is what gets me. He's praying for them to comprehend, and he admits, and he's writing, I can't comprehend it. I love that. He is writing, and he is praying, and he's telling you, I'm praying for you to comprehend what? I'm praying you comprehend the, 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 the width and the length and the depth And the height of what? The love of God. But watch this. He's praying for us to comprehend it, but watch what he says. I got tickled. I like chuckle chuckled. I'm praying that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ. Watch it get contradictory right here. Which passes knowledge. He just prayed for us to comprehend love and in the same prayer, He says, God, I ask this, but we ain't ever going to comprehend it because the love of God passes knowledge. So what He's praying is comprehend the best you can but when you've comprehended the best you can the love of Christ I'm telling you it passes the knowledge that you could even comprehend it doesn't that kind of tickle you in that prayer I'm praying you guys comprehend it but by the way it passes all knowledge so we say and kind of like the Bible says move on to perfection you know what the Bible knows about you and I We'll never be perfect. But he's the Bible's saying, strive for perfection, and although you'll never be perfect, you might be a great. Paul wasn't perfect, but he was a great. So that's the same thing here. I'm praying that you comprehend it. Are we ever going to comprehend the grace and the mercy? Are we ever? Come on. Are we ever going to comprehend the width and the length and the depth and the height of God's love? No. But he's saying... Comprehend it the best you can. In other words, just chew on it. I'm praying that you'll just chew on the width of God's love. Can you imagine? This writer is the chief of all sinners. If there's ever anybody that the love of God cannot reach, surely it's this guy. But when Jesus died on the cross, He stretched His arms out as far as He could and He's saying, My love is this wide. I so love the world. There ain't no width that my love don't extend. And Paul understood that. Because if there was anybody that should have been out of the reach, the width of God's love, it's the guy writing how would you like it if somebody murdered your child and then forgave you and saved you and give you a spot in heaven? That's what Paul is saying. I'll never understand. Passes knowledge that his love would reach wide enough to take me in. Huh? And then he says, the length. The length. You know what's going to happen in October? 24th of October. October. You know what's going to happen? Me and this little redhead, this little hot redhead, and I learned from Jolie it's all right to call him hot. You know what's going to happen October 24? We're going to celebrate 30 years of marriage. Huh? But I'll tell you something better than that. We dated for seven. So you put 7 plus 30, that equals 39. No, it's 7. And I just admitted this to Telequo Campus. I'd say the length of my love for Donna was 37 years. But can we get honest? That first six months might have been lust. Oh, don't say that in church. I'm just telling you. Why don't we get honest in the house of God? When we're attracted to our spouse, you know, that first six months might have not been as much love as we thought it was. Will we be honest in the house of God? With that being said, I can't tell you really how long, but close to 37 years. That's the length of my love for her. That old boy up there in uh, Missouri, I don't know how long him and that wife of 53 years dated, but they had some length in their love. Huh? Mom and dad? How long? Sixty? Well, Bob and Margaret, they got some length in their love. Huh? Come on. We can comprehend that. How long you guys been together? How long you guys been together? How long you guys been together? And we talk about the length of our love. How long has God loved us? My Bible says He was the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He loved us from eternity past and there never has been and there never will be a time in eternity future that He don't love us. Go ahead and try to comprehend the length of love that God has for you. I can't. And then the depth. I was sinking deep in sin. Is that a song? Drowning. But the lifeguard? Uh-uh. But love. Love. is what's reached down in the depths of the sea, in the depths of the sand. It was love that reached down when you were sinking. Deep, deep, deep in your sin. And it was love that lifted and brought you out. How deep is His love? You can't go deep enough to get out of its reach. That's how deep it is. And all God's people ought to be saying amen. And then that you would know the height. He'll go however deep He needs to go to let love lift you out of your sin. But after He died and was buried and rose again, He forever sits at the right hand of the throne of God and He lives there to make intercession for us. He's setting high and there's never a time that we don't have access to Him. So His love is as high as the heavens. But no matter what you're going through, He ain't some politician, I'll get to you when I can. He ain't even some pastor that says, I'll get to you when I can. Because the truth of the matter is, the politicians don't love us, maybe at all. The pastors don't love us like God. But He's sitting there, and we've got access 24-7 to the throne room, the highest of highs. That's where his love is. So, Paul's praying. I pray they'll be conquering saints and understand the might of the power that lives within. I pray that they'll be consistent saints because Jesus Christ lives within their heart and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you can't just take him out and put him in. Take him out and put him in. You've got to live consistently. And I'm praying they'll comprehend the love of God. Of Christ, you with me? Do you notice in this prayer he recognizes the whole Trinity? Anybody pick up on that? Look at verse sixteen, or look at verse fourteen and verse nineteen. God the Father is it there? Look at verse seventeen and nineteen, Christ. That's God the Son, isn't it? Look at verse 16. The Spirit. And I'm not going to, got no theological axe to grind when we pray. We pray our Father in heaven. But I don't think there's a thing wrong within our prayers to go ahead and acknowledge the whole Trinity. He did. And why wouldn't we acknowledge the whole trinity? Think about it. When it comes to salvation, God thought it. God the Father thought it. When it comes to salvation, why wouldn't we recognize the whole trinity? God the Son bought it. Why, when we pray, wouldn't we recognize the whole trinity? Because God the Spirit brought it. He's the one that convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. And Paul, in one of the most beautiful prayers in the New Testament, it makes sure the Trinity is all acknowledged in his prayer. Let's all stand. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Father, we come to you, and we know that your Son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit that lives inside of our hearts is wanting to do something among us, your people. We thank you for this prayer of the Apostle Paul, of him just simply praying for us to experience what he had experienced. So tonight, we bow our knees in appreciation. We bow our knees in acknowledgement, you are the great I am. we submit humbly before you. And we pray for one another. We pray that we would understand how to be a conquering saint. How to be a consistent saint. And we would do our very best to comprehend your love that passes all knowledge. Father, have your way in the hearts of us, your people tonight. We ask it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen. You lost tonight, you need to be saved, you come. If nothing else, how about just bowing your knees in appreciation and acknowledgement and praying for others? You're sick, you need prayer, you come. Got lost folks in your life, carry them to the throne room of God tonight. Pray for the persecuted church. What a video! Man, what would it be like if the church could be like them? Be willing to ride 13 hours unair conditioned buildings on wood floors.
1: The hopeless. Rest for the weary. Help for the hurting. He is.
0: He is. Don't you like that with, when you're broken, out? Hope. He's hope for the hopeless.
1: The burdens, huh? All that
0: you're needing. He
1: Don't you like is. when you're
0: helpless? He's help. Don't you like when you're
1: tired?
0: He's strength,
1: author, and maker of everything, defender, deliverer, king of kings, he is. He is helper and healer forevermore, savior and shelter through every storm, my refuge, redeemer, and lord of lords, he is. He is child of heaven and son of man, provider, protector, the great I am, alpha, omega, beginning and end, he is, he is, hope for the hopeless, rest for the weary, help for the hurting, he is, he is. Bearing the burdens, all that you're needing, He is. All that you're needing, He is.
0: Aren't you glad everything that we need is found in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ? And I'll just remind you, we've heard a lot about prayer, and we're encouraged by that. And I don't want to discourage you at all, but it took nine years for Ruth to walk in the church. Don't give up. It took nine years for a guy that told me he would never walked the aisle that just about made me faint one Sunday morning. I watched him raise his hand, but he had eyeball to eyeball, toe to toe, chest to chest, told me he would never walk the aisle. But I knew him well enough when he raised his hand, he had got saved. And I'll just tell you, honestly, I didn't think he'd walk the aisle. Because usually what he says is what he does. But I was so excited inside to see his hand go up because that was big to him. And I knew he would admit and know that he was saved. But something amazing happened. That guy that told me he had never walked the aisle knocked about four people down trying to get to the front. And we'd prayed for him for about 10, 11 years before it happened. You with me? my house shall be called a house of prayer. And when it says a house of prayer, let's don't be guilty as we have been guilty in the past. Pray at something for a short time. Go ahead and pray for them for as long as it takes and all god's people said amen Amen and amen god bless remember to pray for me and as some of you used to call her the first lady